Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in abundance from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text upon which we will be meditating this evening is taken from John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew came with Philip and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen. Amen, I tell you. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it continues to be one kernel. But if it dies, it will produce much grain. Anyone who loves his life destroys it, and the one who hates his life in this world will hold on to it forever. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, this is the reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it thundered. Others said an angel talked to him. Jesus answered, This voice was not for my sake, but for yours. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be thrown out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. This is God's word. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, open now our hearts and our minds that we may better come to know and to understand your word. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. My dear Lenten Christians, one of the things you hear a lot about in Viking culture and warrior cultures in general is a glorious death. This was something that all warriors of true metal fought for. You see, in Viking culture in particular, when a person died not from battle, say it was sickness or old age, according to Vikings, there were really two different kinds of afterlife. The sick and the, the old and the frail and those who did not die honorably, they went to Helheim, a version of our hell. Whereas those chosen by the Valkyries, the victorious few, they, of course, would go to Valhalla, to the feasting and drinking, and become one of Odin's Einherjar, the warriors that would fight at the end, at, in the battle of Ragnarok. It's interesting to think that many of those Vikings would one day choose to convert to Christianity. The Norse countries that where Vikings came from and sailed from, places like Finland and Norway and Sweden, are predominantly Christian countries and were actually bastions of Lutheranism for many years. I think this is because the way Jesus died really is something of a glorious death. Now, don't mistake me, the crucifixion itself was not glorious. Crucifixions were meant to be brutal, awful, bloody affairs that made you fear the Romans and never, ever want to rise up against them. There's nothing glorious or powerful or captivating about a man hanging on a tree suffocating for three days, which is the way you normally died in crucifixion. But Jesus' glorious death, the glory He provided, not just only for Himself, but for us 
and for His Father in heaven. That is what draws all people to Jesus, not just the fact that He is the Savior of all nations. We see some of those nations come to meet Jesus today as we see some Greeks come to Jesus and as we see His final steps led to some Greeks. Now, our setting takes place on the Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus had to clear the temple out not once but twice, and now the place where He was standing was the place He had cleared both days previous, the court of the Gentiles. It was the western court of the temple complex. It was where converts to Judaism could come and worship their father. And so it's here that Jesus meets some men, and as we see, these men had heard about Jesus. News of Him had, of course, been spreading for the past three years, and especially in the past week. You see, Jesus had just raised a man from the dead, a man who was well-known in Bethany, who was a close friend of Jesus. The, the gospel accounts tell us that there were many Jews who were visiting Mary and Martha who witnessed Lazarus walk out of the grave after being there for four days. So you can understand why these Greeks would want to come and speak with Jesus. They had come to believe the truth that there was one God and His name was the Lord and that He would call all nations to Himself. And the amazing things that that Messiah, His chosen champion, would do one day. How He would come and free all captives and restore all things and bring about a new age. These Greeks, of course, were, as you can imagine, a little nervous about approaching the promised one, the Messiah. And so they asked one of Jesus' disciples, Philip. Why they asked him, the Bible doesn't tell us. We can assume, though, because Philip had a Greek name, because he came from kind of a Greek town, he was a natural inn. He probably knew Greek a little better than the other disciples might have. Philip then goes to Andrew in what seems like a, a convoluted game of telephone, and then they all go to Jesus. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't really seem to greet them. He doesn't thank them for coming to visit them. He doesn't say anything to them, really, at least not that we have in Scripture. What Jesus does do is He grows pensive. He ponders. He thinks about what these men coming to Him means for Him. He has this to say, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it continues to be one kernel. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Not a greeting, not a way of teaching, but now he, wants, he talks about himself. A strange thing that may seem, but it really is true. The Son of Man is going to be glorified. All nations of the world are going to be drawn to him, as we see so clearly already. And to help teach this fact, to help get this across to the people and to these Greeks who are there, Jesus uses the picture, the picture of a kernel of grain. You see, the seeds of a grain, they all form in the head, and that head, unless it falls to the ground and is broken open, those seeds don't go anywhere. You have to break the head and scatter the seed everywhere if you want that seed to grow, if you want a crop that can prosper. Jesus here knows that He's going to have to be broken. 
And this picture should cut us to the quick and make us think that and remark of the fact that Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew that in two short days, He would be broken, beaten, spit upon, abused, insulted, had parts of His beard ripped out, put up as a mockery and a shame for His countrymen to all jeer and laugh at. He knew all that was about to happen, and that didn't deter Him in the slightest from bringing us into glory. He instead calls us, brings us into the light of the gospel. Anyone who loves his life destroys it, and the one who hates his life in this world will hold on to it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Right away, Jesus tells us that for him to be broken, the breaking and the losing and the suffering doesn't stop with him. No, he passes it on to us as well. We are each called to take up our cross and follow Jesus on his Lenten journey. We're each called to forsake the ways of this world, to lose everything in order that we can follow him. Because it's there that we will be with the Father. It's in giving up of ourselves and breaking our own sinful spiritual natures that we can follow Him and learn from Him. And where He is, there we will be. And where we will be and He is, there we'll be with the Father. Jesus will be with us every step of the way, walking that journey with us, sharing those burdens with us, encouraging us with the knowledge that He has already walked that road before and He gives us all the tools we need the Scriptures, the sacraments, in order to bear our crosses with Him. Jesus would provide glory for all people, for all nations, including you, my fellow Gentiles. But it wouldn't just be for Him. It would be for His Father, too. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, for this reason I came. Father, glorify Your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified My name, and I will glorify it again. This is some powerful stuff, isn't it? God only speaks in His Son's ministry three times, this being the third. He spoke when Jesus was baptized, starting His ministry. He spoke in the Mount of Transfiguration, encouraging His Son and His disciples, and now here. Jesus knew that the glorious death He would suffer would not just end with His glory, it would be His Father's glory too. The Father confirms that He has already glorified His own name. By sending Jesus into the world, that alone is the Father glorifying Himself, lowering Himself enough to send His Son to die for us. And Jesus then glorifies His Father's name by going and bearing the burdens. Remember what Jesus asked just two days later, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass over me. Jesus knew that He would need His Father's help. He would need His Father's glory. And even though He wanted to so desperately to escape from that cup, He still bore up under it. He upheld His Father's glory and His name. Jesus spoke and the Father spoke for our behalf to remind us of the glory that He has provided for us all. To remind us all that not just those Greeks who came to visit Him 
on that Tuesday of Holy Week would, be, would see His glory, but all nations. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the rule of this world will be thrown out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death He was going to die. Jesus would glorify His name. He would glorify us. He would glorify His Father, and He would embarrass and humiliate the leader of this world. He would free us from our captivity of sin and death. He would provide for us a new life in heaven. He will draw all nations to Himself, as He has done and as He is doing. As we walk this Lenten journey, as we watch our Savior go to His glory, let us remember to continue to share that glory with Him. The glory in His sufferings and death because it is in them that we have eternal life. Praise be to God for this amazing gift. Amen.